smoking section. Here we are. Another episode. Um, season five. We're here in Casa de Monte Cristo. And we have here a uh, guy who doesn't like pickles. <laughs> I can't help it, man. <laughs> he doesn't like pickles. It's okay. We won't judge him for it. Um, but his name... He's, he has that smash hit. I, I fucking love it. Try losing one. His name is Tyler Brayton. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I don't like mustard either, by the way. You, you don't like mustard? No, never been. Well, I, I like honey mustard, but I, I don't like mustard. I can't blame you for that one. <laughs> I don't really like mustard either. Now, with that combination on the road a couple times, I've gotten like a hot dog at a truck stop and eat it plain, and I get messed with for that. It's like, how do you eat a hot dog plain? You don't even put ketchup on it. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, I will, but in, we're in a hurry, and I get a snack, I'll one plane and I definitely get messed with for it. That's a problem. <laughs> That's a serious problem. Uh, I, I can't do that. Do you eat daddy's dogs? I, I've had them. It's been a long time. I don't. They have pickles on theirs. You need to pickle off. I, well, I mean, I, have, I don't remember even what it tastes like when I had it. I hate to be the Nashville guy that doesn't know. So there's a lot behind that. I, I'm not a big. I don't go out and party a lot. And I think daddy's dogs is the after going out it and partying thing. So yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, not many people go to Daddy's Dogs when they're sober. Yeah. They normally go to Daddy's Dogs right after the bar. Like, I'm from Alabama, and I've been with my dad to Waffle House at 10 a.m., like a normal breakfast joint. Not many people do that. It's normally the middle of the night thing. <laughs> I've done that once in my life. Just go to Waffle Just House? Just go to like Waffle a, House. Like it's a normal breakfast but normally, joint? But yeah, I do it once when I'm sober. But normally I'm like, I'm hungover and I'm going to wear some Waffle House kind of thing. <laughs> no, I hear you, man. You know, that's kind of how it is. How you been, though? You been doing good, man? I've been doing good. You know, yeah. trying to start the new year off strong. I mean, I was a little under the weather at the beginning of the year, but I got to do my Opry debut at the beginning of the year, and now we're getting back on the road, and it's exciting. So, How cool was that moment for you? Oh, God. It was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it's cliche to say... You know, you can't put it into words, but it is really difficult because it's not the average dream. It's not selling out an arena, which obviously would be great to do one day. It's not winning a major award, which would be great to do one day. But it's like this wholesome dream that, you know, your granddad would have had the same dream even. And so it's it's just a different experience. And it's it's sad that I'll never get to have my first time there again because they, the crew and everyone there was just so great, so accepting. And But I can't wait to play there again for sure did you keep the um did you keep the, the license plate you, the parking spot parking level spot? yes so there's a funny story with that so the night before was when we had really bad snow and ice oh and very rare occasion they canceled the opry the night before okay and apparently a snow plow or a snow something i don't know much about snow yeah. a snow something hit the pole that the sign hangs on and knocked it off so when i got there i didn't have a pole but they still had the sign and just gave it to me and it's hanging on my wall now but one one slight difference between mine and everyone else's signs, there's no holes in it because they never stuck it to a pole, so it looks like just something for the wall. And so that's kind of cool to me. But. That's not bad. It's actually, it's, I mean, it's probably one of a kind. It's Maybe so. I mean, one of a kind. I don't know how often the pole gets knocked over by it's, a snow plow. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. So maybe it's just one of a kind. You never know. Maybe so. You never know. Alabama, how long have you been in Nashville? 
Uh, July will be six years, I think. Six years. Yeah. Six years. What part of Alabama are you from? Uh, about 30 minutes outside of Montgomery. It's a town called Slapout, Alabama. And, yeah, everybody looks at me like that. <laughs> my, my running joke when I say it at a live show, someone's going to laugh. So I always tell them I didn't laugh at their town name when they told me where we were playing. But uh, that's, my, that's kind of my running joke. But it is a real small town called Slapout. Slap out is named after a saying that a guy used to say at like a general store decades ago that was there. If he was out of something you asked for, he'd say, I'm slap out of it. So that's kind of where the name came from. What's the population in this slap out town? I have no idea. That's the regular small town question, but I don't really know. We, we're getting ready to Google this right now. It's, I think, we'll rid- I, I think I, online it's actually about 4,000 or so. I've, never, super, heard, super I've never heard of this place. Yeah, about 4,000 as of 2010. Okay, so before that, just speaking to my age a little bit, when I was there mm-hmm. in high school before that, the there weren't as many like neighborhoods. I bet it might be double that now. Really? They started building these little suburb-ish kind of areas. I don't know if you're close enough to Montgomery to be considered a suburb, but they've started building all these neighborhoods around there, and the high school's slowly grown. I don't know they do the same high school size thing in every state but we went 3a to 4a while i was in school and now they're 5a i think really i don't really know so yeah so what, what was your graduating class like 74 people that's it yeah uh we were the smallest 4a school i think we it's by your student total and we yeah. barely made it so we had a rough time in sports <laughs> being the smallest foray but like i just asked like i said i've got a new bass player and i asked him about his and he had two thousand people from ninth through 12th we had about 900 people k through 12 when i was in high school so very small because when we were within 15 to 20 minutes of two larger schools and so we only had a very small radius to go to Hobo. yeah i had about three thousand people in high school. Nine through 12. Yeah, and then we graduated with 775 kids. I'm always fascinated by the big schools that get fed into by multiple middle schools, which get fed into by multiple elementary That's crazy to me because we all, the buildings were like on one block. You go through elementary school, middle school, high school, all in this one block. Yeah, we had like four middle schools, four or five middle schools. We didn't have a middle school until I was halfway through middle school and they built a building and like the class below me was the first class to go all the way through the middle school. Oh, wow. It was interesting, but yeah. Wow. That slap out Alabama. Never heard of that. Throw down. Never heard of it. It's all right. Wow. So, obviously, you, so you came here six years, six years ago. What motivates you to make the leap? Was your family like, you're fucking crazy? No, 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 no. They, they'd always supported just me singing and doing small acoustic things back home. But I was working in the fire service. I worked with Montgomery Fire Department for four years. And I had some friends that had made the move to Nashville with relative success. They're all doing great now. And actually, Charlie Muncaster of Muscadine Bloodline. Mm-hmm told me he's like yeah you gotta kind of you gotta you gotta live in nashville it's like you know you don't really have to but it, it helps right and, and so i started googling tennessee firefighting jobs and brentwood happened to be testing and hiring very soon after and from the moment of me looking it up to the moment i was living in franklin working for brentwood was probably six weeks it happened really quickly and um it actually happened 
in a slightly shorter amount of time than that because I was supposed to come six months later and they called last minute and said someone left. So they could take an extra person in. So that was like 10 days from getting that to moving wow. and working. But yeah, so that brought me up here and that was just to be closer and possibly uh, entertain trying to be in the music industry. But I was probably here almost a year before I did anything towards that. I had to get acclimated and be the rookie at the fire station all over again. And But yeah, so that's kind of what pushed me was just friends that had done it and said, man, you're going to kind of have to. And if you're going to do it, you know, do it now, you know, while waiting. So I moved up here and slowly started to network and it's worked out. How much of the industry did you know about before you? Before you <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that you could be on a podcast in a cigar shop. That, that was... <laughs> But no, like very little. And it's so interesting now to just know more about it and know, just to know more people in it. Like mm-hmm. any event I hear, just knowing the people and everyone involved and all the companies and how much really goes into it and how much crew there is, is just phenomenal. Like doing our first arena run last year, I mean, Brantley's crew had like 45 people. And like you don't know that. Right. I mean, you assume it. But you don't know how much the venue does versus how much comes with the package of right. the It's just it's a lot of cool stuff you learn over the years. Yeah, I've learned a whole lot of stuff. Stuff that I probably don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> stuff that's like, oh, I didn't know that part, yeah. you know? Um So what what's what's been your inspiration as far as write songwriting and did, first of all, hold on. Let's stop here. Hold on. Try losing one. Did someone break your heart, bro? Like, <laughs> like, did you just like? Did you lose one? No, no. I I like to say that it's inspired. Like different songs are inspired by everything, but a lot of it's just storytelling, right? Because you can't write but so many songs about people you actually know. Because you only know so many people, and right. so if you're writing five days a week or whatever you're writing, I mean, eventually it becomes just being a storyteller mm-hmm. and just basically taking hypothetical situations or ideas or when you got three people in a room, you know how they hear a title and what they think it means and how they think you could hook to the title and things like that. And Try Lose One was a really fun one because I had kind of peeked at the idea multiple times. And then to finally get in the room with the right people, Adam Wood and Brian Davis, and really find a way to make not just the lyrics, but have the melody follow the emotion and for it to really build. It, it worked out really well. And I've been super excited to see that song grow and to play that song. But anytime I'm writing, I'm picturing how the live show will feel because okay. that's, that's to me that's the most important part. That's when you connect with your fans, and that's when they see you face to face. And so that's what I'm always picturing. And it's just wanting them to be able to relate to the music because that's what country music is. And but to be able to feel the emotion you felt when you're writing the song. And because whether it's a hundred percent related to a moment, somebody in the room is going to think this reminds me of this. Right. So maybe you could say it like this because I felt this way. And you know it doesn't have to be 100% a true story Of a specific moment in your life But everybody's going to have some sort of relation And inspiration for the song That's right, that's, that's right. I mean, that's, that's kind of the key of songwriting it's just, it's, Especially this talent Especially this talent This, uh, this genre, like you said is, It's very relatable Right uh, that's what for that's what music that's actually music in general you know um, music is a universal language so it's very relatable for everybody right it's uh, I remember a Dave Grohl quote was his favorite part of music is that you can sing a song to 85,000 people and they'll sing it back for 85,000 different reasons yes and I've always thought that was amazing holy shit David Grohl he's a fucking genius <laughs> 
If you're ever listening to this podcast, there girl, I want you on my podcast. Just saying. <laughs> we have some deep conversations, my friends. Some deep conversations. Anyway. Um, so, was Nashville anything you expected? Man, being from a small town, I mean, I was in Montgomery a lot, but it's still not a big city. Yeah, but it's like, I you... had no idea. Okay. So, there was really... And I didn't move right into the city. I lived in Franklin and would come up to like a whiskey jam here and there, something real small. Like I said, I don't really go out a whole lot. So I was able to ease into it. And I had roommates that liked to go out and like to do that. So I kind of got to go pick and choose when I did stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so I, I eased into it pretty well. And like I said, I didn't have any specific expectations. So it's weird to look back now and think, you know, is it any different? Because, I, I mean, I honestly never been asked that and i don't really know because when i mean i'm I'm pretty open-minded so i think i was able to just keep the the slate clean and just take it how it was yeah i came here and i was like oh it's gonna be i feel like people move here at least once from the city big city they move here and you can tell like tourists they think that nashville is just this country barn cowboy hat wearing cowboy (laughs) bearing city and it's like no yeah we're not that <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I, you do, I definitely just recently I saw a family and like the girl, the daughter was probably 10 or 12 years old, but mm-hmm. she had like knee high pink rhinestone boots and then a pink rhinestone hat, cowboy hat. And it was like, yeah, they're definitely from out of town. They're definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, because yeah, we we don't wear that stuff. Like I had to break the news so my friends would come into town. It's like, oh, I'm gonna give me a pair of cowboy, but why? <laughs> I'm going to Nashville. Okay, what's the home of country music? Okay, it's not the key to the city. It's not the key I mean, to the city. Not, <laughs> you're, not, you're not getting turned around at Brentwood if you're right. <laughs> you're not getting turned out of out of bar, out of Broadway bars because you're not wearing cowboy boots or cowboy hats. Yeah, I, I wear boots a lot. I do, but I'm still not. You know. A cowboy i get it from my dad wearing boots and I, i've never worn a cowboy hat but uh, i've so, tried yeah how did it go i, no, I tried go. okay we'll leave it at <laughs> that Tyler, i tried I, there was a point in my life i thought it was the black tim McGraw. <laughs> okay i said that i said that it's on record so who is the black tim McGraw? i don't know <laughs> I thought you maybe just figured out who it was and it told him you wasn't well, you. Well, Cowboy Troy, you know? <laughs> Cowboy Troy, okay. <laughs> you never know. I think that's cheating, putting Cowboy right in your right name. Right in your name, though. That's yeah. kind of, that is cheating. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. So, um, what's the, so you, what, what, they, what, what do they know? What do they know? Let's talk about that EP. What's your favorite song? I'm asking you what your favorite kid is on that album. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Man, they all mean so much in different ways. But, I mean, Try Losing One is a strong contender. But What Do They Know is probably the truest to, like, my actual story. So probably What Do They Know? Because that one, I feel like that one would stick around kind of the longest. Like, 20 years from now, I might still think about that song more than I would think about mm-hmm. some of the other songs on there, but it's really hard to pick a favorite, Like, and you already know that, but you, it's your job to ask it's those my questions. It's job to ask those questions. To you gotta <laughs> ask these questions, you know? You gotta but ask the hard-hitting questions. They do all mean something different in different ways, but What Do They Know was cool because I wrote that with Aaron Schurz, and we wrote that, and like I said, I don't I don't go out very mm-hmm. often. I'd never met Aaron until we walked in the room. And that 
night I went out to a writer's round and I run into Aaron and Aaron literally walked up to me and said man I'm sorry we'll get a better one next time like that and I was like yeah you know I didn't, I didn't think a whole lot of it but I kept listening to the song and thinking about the parts where we specifically did something true to me like it says loaded up Tacoma I really came here in a Tacoma pickup truck and right. just things like that that were specifically true and I actually added the bridge after the fact and adjusted a couple of the lyrics in the verses just slowly and it ended up just sticking and being such a true song and it's cool like we talked about how different people relate to different songs in different mm-hmm. ways I once got a comment on YouTube that just quoted the um, let me think of the, which line in the song they know how to make you feel a little bit guilty about trying to get out of there Ooh. and this guy just quoted that he, he looked like he was probably 50s 60s and he said always remember that one and that's all he said about the line and when you really think about it, that can mean anything. It doesn't have to be getting out of a town. It could be right. getting out of one profession or leaving one music industry company to start your own or to move right. to a different one and do a different job. There's always going to be people thinking, you know, change is difficult and scary. <laughs> did, did you have people in your life that was like kind of make you feel good for leaving town and, and not honestly, following, like following the family mode? or, or Honestly, mode? no. Um, a lot of my family sings and they all knew I loved it. And I had just recently done like this contest. Mm-hmm. back home the small country radio station sponsored contest and I won that and that won my first trip to Nashville that's like a recording session in a small studio here and I did some acoustic stuff and but that was the first time I got to come here and see the town and I knew I kind of wanted to mm-hmm. start thinking about it and that's what led to me a few months later is when I started looking up jobs here and uh, but no I'm lucky that no one ever really said you know you're crazy you know I think the only time people really started getting nervous for me just in a good way was when I left the fire service at least I was moving here with a full-time job and career still I didn't just drop everything and move here to play music and I mean I moved here a little bit older than some people would you know some people come at 18 I was 27 and so I had 27 years of life and debt versus someone that's 18 years old so I couldn't just come here without a career and so that probably helps people's feelings you know you know. But you play it smart for yourself, then, which is understandable. I mean, most people, most people don't do that. Most people fall and make a shit ton of mistakes that financially and everything else like no, that. Which I still like, did that. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we all do. <laughs> I still do that now. Sorry, mom and dad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bar twenty. <laughs> Still do that. Go to Red Door way too much. That's the, that's the issue. That's the issue. And I just had my thirty third birthday, and my mother still sent me just a gift card. She's like, buy something for the house. <laughs> like an Amazon yeah, gift card. Mine is on Saturday. My birthday's on Saturday, and my grandmother just sent me money, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, cool. Glad I got glad I got that. But I don't know if it's gonna sit there on Venmo for right now. So <laughs> she knows how to use Venmo. Yes. It took a while to teach her, though. <laughs> it took a while. It took a while. Um, so, <clears throat> so let's talk about your previous career. Are you being a firefighter, sir? What is the craziest fucking thing that you did as a firefighter? Um, I, I, I'm going to disappoint you. Uh, I get asked. <laughs> I get asked that a lot, and I'll be straightforward and say. It would probably be highly inappropriate for me to describe that, the craziest things I saw and all that. But I did see a lot of things, you know, like, I guess we'll just say gore. You know, I saw some things people get, you know, shot in the leg and things like But I'm not going to go into detail about the craziest things. I don't mind being asked that because I like to be able to explain why. Right. You, know, that's, right. You, know, you can't. 
you know it's fine to ask that and but it it's a weird thing to try to describe do like you miss some, it i miss the camaraderie and i'll hear a siren every once in a while and be like oh i wonder what they're going to if it's a fire or whatever um i mean honestly 90 percent of the calls you go to are really nothing i'll tell you the funnier ones that aren't as big a deal like i've had 911 calls because a 27 year old man has a bug in his ear you know just things like why are you call 911 i mean i get <laughs> we get 911 calls about about you know an adult having a fever i'm like i mean you got a fever i mean i don't, I don't know what we're supposed to the common misconception if someone needs to go to the emergency room which you got a bad fever you can go to the emergency room but the common misconception is that if you go by ambulance you'll be bumped to the front of the line it's like but you're still triaged the same way by severity and so that was oh the real thing God. so people just oh so you spent 600 dollars on the ambulance that's right over here, right. guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I did. I mean, like back to your original question, I did see some crazy. My my first ever call, I'll just say I was the rookie and they were what they called checking your oil. They were like running me to death and I could barely get up off the ground. And my first call comes in and he was like, just climb up on the truck. You don't even have to get out, you know, whatever they know. I couldn't walk. But the call was like 100 yards up the road. So he's like, you might as well come on. And when we got there and I kind of rested for a second, I had to get off the truck just to clean blood up off this porch. It was like covering this porch. Everybody was fine, but there just was a lot of – and that was my first ever call ever. And so that was kind of odd. And I was in a part of town where a couple times I heard the gunshots from the station and 60 seconds later the tone's going off. And so it, it was a lot interesting stuff uh, my first probably 10 fires I ever went to were arson like kids yeah. burning like abandoned houses and stuff but you don't know if somebody's squatting in there and all that so you still got to treat it like there's, there's a lot of politics behind how you approach if you if something's abandoned but i mean wow old heads would say you know you attack it either way you attack it either way yeah Makes sense. And I will say I'll never forget the address of my first ever fire. Do you remember the show 106 in Park? Yeah. Well, my first fire was at 106 West Park. And so I'll never forget that address because of the show 106 in Park. Are you (laughs) shitting me? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. You pulled that out where on heck is. I I barely remember that show. Yeah. Barely remember that show. 106 in Park. (laughs) Bring it back some memories right now. <laughs> so Tyler has caught me on a day where it's like we were just we were talking about this before before the uh, interview started recording. Um, everything's been meshed together as far as my days. Okay. So it's like we're all loopy, funny, Marcus today. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. It's gonna we be a good lose time. Track of our days. Yeah, exactly. This is all, it's been loopy. It's been a loopy day. Computer isn't working because all the way. It's like no, it's, but it's working now, which is great. So you, I'm I'm in love with the song. Um, uh, she don't care. Okay, <laughs> love that song. Let's turn away here. I, I love that song. So what's what? What was the what was the inspiration behind that song? I know that she, like, whose idea was it? Um, I had that idea for a while like I had that first verse kind of sitting in my phone for a long time mm-hmm. and I believe that one was with Mark Holman and James McNair I, th- I don't, don't, don't misquote me on that uh, 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 <laughs> I should know those right off the bat uh, uh, but it's the reason that I would get confused is I had something yes that's right okay well Mark Holman wrote 
Ways to Miss You with Michael Whitworth and, mm-hmm. and I. Sometimes I'll mix up right because it's the same guy right. as Criss Cross on some of the songs. But um, so she don't care. We just thought it was a cool idea to um, point out that it, it's not always about supporting each other's dreams. It's definitely about supporting each other and pushing each other. But my fiance is a photographer. I play music. If she never takes another picture and I never sing another song, we don't we don't care. That's not the most important thing. It's right. definitely important to support dreams and all that because that's what a lot of your happiness is based on is your personal success. And, you know, not everything is you know the relationship and not everything is us and we you still have your individual self and so it's very important to support each other's happiness and how you get that but the most important thing is that if it doesn't happen you'll be there in understanding and caring either way so that's kind of what that song's about i want to say it is one of marissa's favorites and I mean, we enjoy playing that one live as well, too. We just played Baton Rouge for, honestly, my biggest headlining crowd outside of the state of Alabama. And we was it in Baton Rouge? It was in Baton Rouge this past weekend. And for one of the first times, even through my ears, I could hear that core. I could hear a lot of people singing that song. Saying that she song. don't care. So that one's had some good success, uh, you know, in the crowds. And I've, I've enjoyed that because that was my favorite part of the EP was getting to you know, see what songs went in what direction kind of thing. So, so how many people were at this, this headlining show that you just played? You remember? It's like 550 or something, but um, I know some of them were like radio station comps and things right, like that. That's right. just how it happens, but we sold... No, 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 no. 550. <laughs> but I did, I mean, and normally, so if it was the comps that made it the biggest one, I probably wouldn't have brought it up, no, but no, even no. with sales, it was still the biggest one. <laughs> And that goes back to what about the industry did you know before coming exactly. to that? <laughs> like a lot of people bought tickets to this well, show. Well, like, well, tickets, no, they they got free tickets. And okay. A portion of a lot of people brought it to Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, no, that, that's, that's badass that you get, you get your first. It's, it's better with, I always tell people for artists, it's always great. It's always a great feeling. I can tell when it's a great feeling when people get their first sold out show that it's not in any kind of vicinity of their hometown right. at all. Because yeah. yeah, that, that, it's a reassurance of things that, oh shit, I'm doing something right. I will say it hurts that you said sold out because this one wasn't sold out. It's okay. <laughs> we're we're going gonna, to so see. No one would have known. No one would have known that it wasn't sold I'm, out. I'm an honest person. It. I can't help it. Oh my God. See, no, no, no. Just go with it. It was, so, it was sold out, guys. It was sold out. <laughs> The middle third of this venue was packed. (laughs) It was a large venue. They take like a thousand plus. I'm just saying, just saying, but it's still, but still that's, you know, to see that, you know, your dreams come up for fruition. Is that the correct term? Did I use that word right? Fruition, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sarah Beth's going to get on to me about how to do interviews after this. Like, um, can you pretend that you're successful? There's been, there's been no red flags. <laughs> no red the flags. The just said there's been no red flags. We Thank gotta, God. We just got to work harder. Just got to work a little harder now. Damn it. <laughs> there's been yellow flags. Yeah. Red... <laughs> so, no, but like when you're seeing your dreams and your, and your hard work paying off finally, and you still have further to go. 
yeah, like, like you're like you're at the half, half yeah the halfway mark right now yeah I'm like over like the 10 percent mark is what okay, i'm hoping we're, we're at, at. 10, yeah we're at the 10 percent <laughs> all right you're at the 10 percent you're right you're right you're 10 percent now <laughs> yeah. but it's like how how does that feel for you how how man I tell you, like, this is the most cliche thing, but I've seen this on, like, the quotes that people share to their mm-hmm. Instagram story and all that stuff. But the truest one that I've ever seen is when you start, like, kind of feeling down just to think about the time when you wanted to be where you are now. Mm-hmm. And that's that's huge, you know, because there are times, I mean, even in the last three or four months, there have been times where I was sad. I was thinking, oh, God, this didn't go how I wanted it to go. And that, But that's human. But when I think back to maybe two years ago, ago how stoked i would have been for any one of the days i've had in the last Uh three months and so it's awesome to feel the growth and to just look back and see how things have changed and i mean it's great i really hope that we have a long way to go but i mean i'm having a good time so long as we can pay our bills and play music i'm happy so are you on a tour bus yet or are you still in the van um it's kind of a back and forth thing we've used what's called uh what was it called bandwagon which is like in between a bus and a van it, yeah. it was all got like eight or ten bunks or whatever on it in the kitchen and all that. But it wasn't quite the the bus with the tile floors. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then like this past weekend we were in van and trailer, so it just kind of depends on the shows we're okay. going to. I mean that's not bad. I mean yeah, you, you'll remember those days when you have when you hit a big. Oh for bus. sure, for sure. Remember those days? You start like oh, now I have my space from you motherfuckers. <laughs> True. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have my space from you band members. You guys go ahead and have fun. I'm gonna go sit in the back. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. He that said. was me running out of water. Yeah, exactly. Right? No, I don't worry now. It's all right. So, <clears throat> so you signed with Warner. Hmm? How did that come about? What was what was the deal? Because you six years, you know, people in this town. I mean, I've, I've realized late newer artists have basically been coming in town three, four years later. They have a they have a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it used to be, you know, 10 years ago, I would have a deal or, you know. So when did you get your deal? I had been in town. Like I said, I spent the first year kind of doing the fire thing and all right. that. But overall, I'd been in town maybe two and a half years, two years when I started doing meetings with publishers and maybe two and a half years, almost three years when I was getting my first mm-hmm. publishing offers. And I want to say like the songs we were sending to publishers kind of just got passed around a little bit and got to labels because that was not the plan. We were going pub deal and just go from there. But we were blessed in that. Um, another record label heard them and I actually got one of my first verbal offers from a different label but it got around to Warner and I got to meet with Warner and we just, it just felt right and I loved all the crew at Warner and so I'd been here when they offered I'd been here maybe two months shy of three years and obviously it takes like months to get it finished and all that but I signed uh, I know the date is October 15th 2019 because that day also I don't know if you've heard Love's the Dead End Road a song of mine but we wrote that that day like I stopped at my attorney's office signed the deal and then went to write and wrote Love's a Dead End Road that day but uh, so that was kind of cool. So you got your let's, let's talk about this here because this is pure coincidence. You got your record deal. Was it four months before the pandemic shut down? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We How, st- have you have you done radio tour yet? How's that been for no, you? No, have not done radio <laughs> tour. Uh, <laughs> no, we got our we got a tour with Granger Smith 
right after signing and we toured through january february and we did my first sold out show was at home like 850 people in montgomery alabama on march 7th 2020 and the next weekend we were heading to new york to do more shows with granger right and we got to pennsylvania and they said pull over and wait and we ended up coming home we were in the van we were in a sprinter van for that run and we were in that van for like 35 hours between getting to pennsylvania pulling over figuring it out spending the night eating and driving home we never got out of the van for like 35 hours never substantially i, I, I would i would end up killing but yeah so everything stopped there and it kind of slowed you know it slowed everybody's momentum so i don't complain about it yeah. it happened to everybody it, I, I always tell people that the the, the the pandemic literally put everyone at an even playing field the only thing it, it may have made it even but then it also backed it up it to where more people yeah. are there at an even playing field yeah. so it did make it harder it, yeah. just in the industry in general but so because we haven't got like everyone has different rules and you respect everyone's right. views on COVID and you know I just you just got to wait your turn pretty right, much. And right, right. So, and as all that, you obviously want to do everything safely. And so it'll happen hopefully this year. You know, we never know. You know, we've got some big things on our hat for this year that we can't talk about yet. But it's exciting to think that that's a possibility pretty soon. Who's been, who's, uh, so you've been, you've been in this town. I'm sure you've met a lot of people, artist wise. Mm-hmm. Who's been the one that you, like, that you, listen to looked up to kind of thing have you met anyone any of your idols yet man it's been really cool to watch luke combs luke owns my publishing company and mm-hmm. so i've met him multiple times and hung out with him and it's been cool to watch him kind of do what he wanted to do and not what, what someone else wanted him to do right, right. and i mean obviously bigger artists you know Eric Church, Brothers Osborne, they've all done that as well, and it's right. cool to see success from someone doing what they want to do. But Luke did it as a really new artist, and so that was even cooler to see. And so I've enjoyed watching him, and then obviously meeting Brantley through playing the shows and going on tour with Brantley. I've, he's helped us a lot, and we never can thank him enough. And so those will probably be the main ones that I watch steadily and try to learn from. Yeah, Luke's a cool dude. He's a cool motherfucker. Absolutely. I just saw Eric Church uh, last week. Okay. And Eric, it's the first time I've seen Eric in like an Eric show. I've seen Eric at festivals. I've seen Eric open for Al Dean at one point. So the last time I, when the last time I saw him, but I've, it was the first time I seen an Eric show, and it was like three hours. <laughs> Loved every minute of it, but I was worn the fuck out afterwards. <laughs> I'm sure. Just physically and emotionally. Just physically yeah. and emotionally just drained. I was going to go out afterwards. I'm like, I know I'm going home. Yeah. I'm worn out. I have no voice. I wouldn't even have planned to go out after. The concert is the going out. The concert, I mean, <laughs> that's true, but I tried to rally. I was in a different town. I was like, oh, no. You know, let's, let's go see how this town nightlife is. We're not compatible. No. <laughs> <laughs> not compatible at all. Not compatible at all. <laughs> but that's how I mean. But it's like, oh, yeah, no, fuck that. I'm, I'm going home. I'm going home. Fuck this. Well, the positive is normally I can be the DD. Yeah. I don't go out, but I also don't. I've never drank. You don't, like, never drank. 
Well, I mean, I've tried stuff, and I still to this day, like if you had something, like, yeah. that's really good. Trying one of these, I'll take a sip, you know, whatever. But I've never been drunk or anything, so I'm always the DD, and I'm super used to it. Everybody asks how terrible that is, and being on the road, and if it's. I'm know, actually pain. not going to ask how terrible it is. I'm going to ask you how wonderful is it. <laughs> I've never had a hangover. There you <laughs> go. That's there. There's, yeah. That's the best feeling in the world is to never have a hangover. Right. So I mean, the closest I've had to that is just a headache, and we're like, all right. I mean, is that what? It, yeah, it's like, but it's not just a headache though. It's like it's the dehydration, headache. correct? And that what yeah. hangover is? Yeah, but it's the it's the headache, it's the throwing up, it's the tiredness. Yeah, it's like a week long. Right? Just, as you get older, it gets longer. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm blessed in that aspect. My, my, it takes me two days to recover now. And so that's always been my thing, you know. Obviously, because luckily, anyways, maybe not obviously, but luckily, I don't mind people getting drunk and drinking. I don't care whatsoever. My only thing is, I hope you're not a super, super different person. Because I hang out with someone for your personality. Right. If you're going to be a different person once right. we get out there, then I'm like, why am I here? So, but so, have you had fans try to hang you drinks? We know. Oh, things? absolutely. What do you do with them? Uh, it's always something different. Normally, I'll put someone in the band on the spot and make them drink it or you know just something i'll explain to the crowd i'll be like just so people aren't i don't want them to waste their money and trying to bring a bunch of drinks i'll tell them look i'm sorry i don't drink but we're gonna make i'll make them cheer for each individual person whoever gets the loudest cheer will make that person drink it's just different things just try to make it fun so my question not awkward (laughs) (laughs) uh you can take this back (laughs) you can take that one right back I've I started. I've thought about accidentally kicking them over and be like, "Ow!" But then they go buy another one, and then I just make them just make them waste my money, double the money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what made you not drink? Like, what made you decide that you're going to be? I have no idea. I just really. Never, um, the only thing I can think about is I never liked taking medicine. And when I was younger, I didn't like drinking coffee. I didn't like the idea of mm-hmm. something else controlling the way I act or the way I feel. And I just – so I never did drink. And ultimately, I reached a point where my mom was excited. She's like – she just randomly was like, yeah, he's never drank. It's like I asked what you wanted to eat, you know. And she would randomly say, oh, my son never drinks. And so it ultimately led to I can't end the streak now pretty much. So it's not like there's temptation at all there's not you but just, you just don't it's like just it, now it's just, just yeah. now doing it for my mom <laughs> my mom would be like you're gonna have a drink with me <laughs> uh, uh, oh god so um what's what's so now what's been your motivation to keep going because obviously you've got you you've gone through hardship in this industry mm-hmm. um everyone has everyone because everyone has their own struggles and paths on their on their path um so what's been what's been your biggest hardship and what's been the motivation to keep you going um i mean i haven't had crazy hardships i had no's when we were having first publishing right. meetings and but that's expected and i would have to say just probably covid just everything halting the way it did at the time that it did right again it happened to everybody so i don't complain about it at all but it still happened right you know right you can't just brush it under the rug because it happened to everyone everyone has to accept it in their own Absolutely. way and get through it but that would probably be it and what keeps you going is is really actually enjoying what you do and not just pretending to enjoy what you do and being in it for fame or for money or, and so i mean it's like luke's new song that if if i would if i wasn't doing this yeah. and it's it's true i mean 
if I wasn't doing this, I'd still be in the fire station, but I'm sure I'd still play acoustic shows at restaurants. I'd still do that stuff. Right. And, um, it's, it's absolutely true. And I would really actually genuinely enjoying what you do is normally enough. I think to keep you going, if you can't pay your bills, you get a part-time job, you know, but you never really stop doing what you love if you can help it. And I think that's what pushes most of us. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever regretted or wished that you never made a decision to come over to do to the music industry? Oh, absolutely not. Some people do. Because even the question. hardest days is yeah. still like, oh, I don't want to go to work today, and work is going to sit with two guys and write a song. But right. there's st- everything eventually becomes a job. I talked about that literally today at my right, that sometimes you don't want to go do it because it's just human nature. If somebody says you have to do something, then you're like... I don't want to do it then. Right. You know, but even the fire service, I mean, that was going to hang out with a bunch of dudes and do some random busy work Mm -hmm. and maybe go to a fire, which we actually enjoyed, but we didn't want someone's house. Right. But it still eventually becomes a job. Everything does. And I just think if you truly like what you're doing, I mean, it it doesn't matter. That will outweigh it. Right. I've asked, I've asked pretty much everyone on on this, uh, on this season. And I'm sorry to ask you, you can if you can do a duet with anyone, anyone, dead or alive. One dead, one alive. One dead, one alive. Who would it be? Oh my gosh! Be any genre. Um. Well, I mean, obviously, you get asked this question a lot, but it's still hard. You forget who you said because you could probably say a different answer every time. Yeah. Um. Dead would probably be. It wouldn't make sense, but I'd love to do a duet with Prince. But that would make zero sense. If you're asking who I would duet with that might would make sense, then, you know, probably, you know, George Jones, Keith Whitley. That would make more Let's sense. Let's go back to the doesn't make sense one on, on Prince here. <laughs> because there's a couple of unheard duets that I've heard about from Prince that haven't been released yet. Apparently he has one, so Eddie Murphy apparently has a recording of him, Prince, and a whole, like, people, like, I think Michael Jackson was on it, and a couple of people who were, like, who are pretty much dead now mm-hmm. on this one track. Okay. It's exciting. <laughs> so if that doesn't make sense, and it's done, it could have been done when and, you yeah, yeah. life. Could have been done. Uh and I'll go to the Alive, which a country artist is kind of easy. I don't want to say there are plenty of them that would be phenomenal. Right. But you could do relatively the same song with right. any country right. artist. Exactly. And so, but if I was going to go, you know, outside the box a little bit, I think it'd be John Bellion. What if I could do a duet with anyone? Probably be John Bellion. I've told management that it's like if I'm ever big enough to do like the cross genre, it's like I want to work with John Bellion. That's gonna happen. That's gonna happen. <laughs> you, keep, you keep manifesting that it, it's gonna happen. For sure. So you keep, you know, just keep manifesting that. Um, so, what do you? What's the advice you were given when you first moved here? Um, shoot, best I wanna, advice. Let me think. Yeah, I wasn't given a whole lot of advice because oh. I wasn't leaving people that really knew. They were, right. you know, just uh, my management. 
I was blessed enough to have management that cared about your bills getting paid. Right. And so I was told, stay with the fire. You'll stay with the fire service as long as possible. And we did that. When I was signing the paperwork to get paid to write and need to write full time, I put in my two weeks for the fire service. So stay there literally as long as possible. And so, I, I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of advice. Not saying that people didn't want to help, but right. I just didn't know people in the industry. And you get the regular advice, you know, from your parents, you know, it's like this. You know, be so, good with your money and all that stuff. But so now that you know about the industry, what's your advice to give someone who doesn't know? Um, I think the most important thing is your networking and building a team of people that care about you. And um, this is the first podcast I've said this, but we just had a couple guys leave the band, and they're still my brothers, my best friends in the world. Mm-hmm. But every interview that I've had, almost that brings up this advice question. Right. It's I always say, you know, try to make a crew of people you love and people you care about and be around you and because you'll all take each other to the top. Right. You know? It is business in the end. You know, it's you kind of you got to do what you got to do. But I guess the karma, for lack of a better word, is better if you take people that you care about and that care about you. You're going to work together and it's not you're not alone. Yeah, that's kind of the tough thing because it's tough where you like you have that unwritten rule where it says don't do business with friends or don't do business with family kind of thing. But it's like when you have someone in the band with you or yeah. you have someone in your management team and, and, or, or even your publicist team, it becomes a family. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't go into business with your friends. You became friends you mean, with the people you exactly. went into business Exactly. So with. it's like now. So I think that's even it's even harder because when they decide to depart from that that aspect of your career or that aspect of your life or whatever, it's harder for them to leave. It's harder. It's a harder hurt. Not when say, I guess hurt is the right term for that. Harder hurt, but harder like going through hardship on that. It is. And it's, um, like I said, I love the guys and we've had the, mm-hmm. the, you know, I I want them to win. They want me to win. Right. We still had the uncomfortable, the sucks kind of moment. Exactly. And you can listen to what are they called A- A- Avenue Beat. Yeah. yeah. So they broke up, and they've got some. They were they, they're great songwriters. Right. And they wrote songs kind of about that, and the whole one of their songs, the whole idea is like it kind of, you know. It's great that I'm happy for you and I want to be happy for you, but it sucks that I have to be happy for you and can't be mad. And can't be mad. And and that's true. Like, mad's not the right word. I'm not mad at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You don't get mad. Yeah. You just... You wish you were a part of the ride for them. That's yeah, cool. yeah. You want to go you through everything you, together. You want to do sure. everything together. You wish and you were part of their ride. They wish you were part of your ride. So that's kind of like... That's a good so way it's to put not it. Like a, it's, not, it's not a mad as just like, I wish I was there to help you out. I wish I was yeah. going to be part of that. because a lot of things... I mean, it's it's adulthood as busy as this industry yeah. is we won't, you won't see each other near as much and it's just a hard situation exactly. until you get through it so. yeah ah, that's life that's life everybody that's the music industry this has been a phenomenal episode I really like you <laughs> I appreciate it I thank you I really do I really do and I love the fact that you don't drink <laughs> me too that means that we can, that means that we can go out <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'll drive. I mean, we can go on. I don't have to pay for an Uber. <laughs> I charge. I do charge. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. All right. We'll work something out. We'll work something out. We'll work something out. This, <laughs> this has been another episode of Spoken Section Podcast of Season 5. This is uh, the one, the only, try losing one.
Just try it. Just try it. <laughs> Go listen to his new album, What Do They Know? Well, EP nowadays. His name is Tyler Brayton. And, buddy, seriously, good luck with everything. I appreciate you it. Were, you get ready to blow yourself out. <laughs> Thank you for having me, man. No, I appreciate it for yeah, sure. No problem. See you guys. Listening to the smoking section.